Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to save you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Time out. You can't just go back to a stock you hated for ages. Clorox, can you? Can the market be that fickle? Should you really abandon one of the greatest stocks of all time, Amazon, because of press reports that the president wants to go after it, even as every company Trump has gone after has survived the wrath? Trump stock. That's precisely what people needed to reckon with today, a day where the Dow ultimately dipped nine points. Hey, it was up 234 points at one time and then down 120 another. S&P declined 0.29%, and Nasdaq got pasted again, losing 0.85%. On the one hand, Clorox, a Kramer fave stock that's been out of favor in the Wall Street fashion show for some time, rallied hard for a second day, gaining nearly $4 or 3%. On the other hand, Amazon got clocked. For more than 4%, when we got word that the president is obsessed with this company and wants to come up, come after it with everything it has. There's the president. Everything he has going there. Perhaps Trump is motivated by his apparent dislike of the Washington Post, which is owned by Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, and not, I hope, any quibblings with Prime. I mean, do, do you think he's a Prime member? The story headline, Trump hates Amazon, not Facebook, truly gaffed Amazon shareholders as surely as a flopping and chopping Moby Dick at the hands of Captain Ahab. Or if that's too harsh, maybe the president is ordering up a bigger boat to take on Bezos, a la Jaws, and the sellers are just getting out ahead of the news. Hey, Lisa was a... It was a little respite for the sellers in, in Facebook. Now, we look, we look, we live in strange time for Amazon and for its fan compadres. The White House press secretary said that the president has no specific policies that are meant to pressure Amazon. But she also says that her boss is, and I quote, always looking to create a level playing field for all businesses. And this is no different. Amazon stock didn't go up much at all from its lows on this oh-so-reassuring news because when people hear no specific policies, I think they just assume that's only because they haven't been formulated yet. It's easy to imagine this administration cracking down on Amazon, though retailers don't call it the Death Star for nothing. This company has had a devastating effect on tons of brick-and-mortar merchants. Only the government can stop Amazon, just like only the government can stop Facebook. And with Congress going after Facebook, well, then why couldn't the president go after Amazon? Hey, you know, one branch of government, another, I mean, big deal. Okay. Uh, by the way, that was the reasoning behind the obliteration of Twitter stock yesterday when vocal short seller Andrew Lapp, a funny guy, 
said the company's vulnerable to charges about selling out its users, even as management denied doing so. Left's logic was circular, and no one cares about a social media company's denials anymore, uh, let alone the rest of tech. But it was serious enough to do serious damage to Twitter's stock in a serious way in a market where these online titans are treated as guilty until proven innocent. You want more canards, more straw men? I got a bunch of them in tech. I wonder when the short sellers will start saying that a huge percentage of NVIDIA's business comes from the now flagging cryptocurrency miners using their chips to get poor quick. Forget the fact that these crypto maniacs are only a tiny fraction of the business and NVIDIA's graphics processors are used for everything from gaming to the data center. Why let the facts get in the way of a really solid negative story that sent the stock down another four bucks on top of more than 20 that plummeted yesterday. Oh, uh, if you're interested in the facts, uh, uh, though uh, I hope that doesn't mean a declining audience for Mad Money, we'll have Jensen Wong, NVIDIA CEO, on the show tomorrow night, and I think he'll tell a compelling narrative. Just don't be surprised if the bears twist his words. Every day, ever since the fatal self-driving Uber accident last week, I half expect to hear that NVIDIA has stopped doing any work at all for its partners on self-driving cars, even as, in reality, it's full speed ahead with them. Although NVIDIA did sideline its own fleet of five, that's right, five autonomous driving cars as it waits to find out what went wrong that fateful night, doing a lot of simulating of blizzards, doing a lot of simulating of flooding, you know. No one else is. The truth is, NVIDIA's self-driving car partnerships are where the money is, not its own tiny fleet. But when a stock's in free fall, you see all kinds of false narratives adding fuel to the short-selling bonfire. You either believe me or you don't. But NVIDIA is not slowing down the making of any chips for its self-driving car customers a huge future business. Now, while these formerly beloved tech stocks get hammered, you have new winners like, yeah, Clorox, like bleach Clorox. Two weeks ago, we talked to Ben O'Dora, the excellent CEO of Clorox. I couldn't believe how great the story was. Stock had gone straight down from 146 to 128, which to me meant that you were getting a terrific buying opportunity in a high-quality consumer products play with a 3% yield. Juicy. This largely American company has had its share of raw cost increases, but they were temporary. Clorox is expanding into supplements, a fabulous fast-growing business, and it's getting its merchandise now into all the major drugstores. Hey, listen, there was a time a few months ago where the probiotics I swear by couldn't be found anywhere. Now I can find my Renew Life Ultimate Floor at all my favorite drugstores. Of course, when I recommended Clorox, uh, back then, and what seems like a lifetime ago, but was really just like 10 days, people acted like I'd gone crazy, or at least uh, uh, crazier than, than usual. I heard that Clorox is the wrong stock to, wrong stock to own when interest rates are headed to three. Whoops, they went to 2.75%. Wrong direction. Oh, okay, so they're stopping at 2.78 for a second. I heard the chart was death warmed over, especially compared to the charts of the FANG stocks. Oh, Look how that worked out. I heard there was a vicious head and shoulders pattern developing. Don't those people know that Procter & Gamble makes a head and shoulders? Now, what's driving this strength in Clorox? Well, okay, with rates that are lower, people now fear a slowdown. And during a slowdown, stocks like Clorox became more attractive. Investors look at it as the best of the best when they're worried about the economy, whereas it was seen as the worst of the worst two weeks ago when everyone's more confident. Look, as I keep telling you, this is a challenging, controversial market, and we're not used to it. It's not for everyone. We can lose a hundreds of points in the time it takes to grab a burrito. <laughs> Chipotle down 50% from its high. Still, if you have a long-term perspective, you may want to dive into the Gowanus Canal, pick up some Facebook. I'm 
I'm sure it's down there. I see the green bubbly water. We had Norwegian Cruise on later tonight. And all I can say is that it's too bad you couldn't book yourself a ticket on the Titanic that has become Apple or the Lusitania that's NVIDIA or the USS Indianapolis that is Alphabet. Quint, we miss you. I stay stay the course. Stay the course. That's right. Maybe don't even watch the minute-by-minute action if you're too squeamish. I was running some panels for the CNBC Healthy Returns Conference, two thumbs up. And when I went into the one into one of them, the semiconductor stocks, oh, my God, they were on fire. They looked great. When I finished, they looked even better. It was only after I examined the action in between that I realized they'd round-tripped a percent and a half while we talked about the need to keep healthcare costs down. The bottom line. In a difficult market, formerly beloved stocks tend to be t- become targets. And while I think the worries about Facebook and Amazon and Twitter and NVIDIA are being blown out of proportion at this point, I also recognize that the stocks, of course, can go lower. Anything can go lower if people keep getting scared. And yes, I know I don't pick on the shorts, but shorts press their bet. If you, can take, if you can't take the pain, you know what? Forget about those Facebook. Forget about that fang, fellas. And go buy some Clorox. Brian in Illinois, please. Brian. Jimmy. Oh, yeah, the Lalo Ramblers. Why not? I was thinking the same thing, man. Wow. They are charmed. What's up? Charmed. They are. They are. Hey, Jimmy, I had a question. I bought HRI about a year and a half ago, hoping we'd have some uh, good infrastructure bills. And uh, I know recently the CFO stepped down. Right. I was wondering uh, what you think about the stock. Sell, buy, hold, buy more. It's in Bonita Springs. The wife wants to move to Bonita Springs. I try to tell her I have a job and a contract. She's not interested. Okay. Um, this is actually a very good equipment rental company. It's cheaper than URI. I like the equipment rental companies because it's a lot cheaper to rent than to own. So I say it's fine. All right. Look, it, 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 this is a tag. Oh, you know what? I, you know what? I think we should have another call just because, like, I'm being told by my executive producer to have another call. Let's go to Paolo in Ohio. Paolo. 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 Mr. Kramer, it's my 19th birthday. Oh, man. Happy birthday to you, partner. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, have protests been the catalyst to the plunge of KMI's stock price? And if so, if progression is made, do we see light for KMI? Listen, my young fella, we call these things that are driving stocks down balance sheets. And that has got a nasty, bad balance sheet in a nasty, bad industry. If you want to live to your majority, if you want to make it to 21, may I suggest that you rethink the idea, KMI. You know what? KM to me means Kmart. Add an I. You know what I'm talking about. This is a fickle market. It's not for everybody. But you know what? I'm actually out there. I'm saying stay the course. Oh, man, tonight, I'm getting to to the state of the retail sector with the CEO of the man behind Calvin Klein and Tommy Ilfiger. And believe me, it's it's actually good. Don't miss my exclusive with the CEO of PVH after earnings. But if you want good news, turn. Well, let's just say you may have to listen. Then this too shall pass. I'm going over the worst case scenario for Facebook and telling you how you should approach the situation. And with such wild action on the averages, you may have missed some radical shakeups in healthcare. Tonight, I have a rare exclusive with a United Health CEO to find out if its pullback could be a buying opportunity and what they think, yes, of the Amazon Death Star. I'm quaking until the president strikes back. Stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call 
at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Okay, remember last week I told you to buy some PVH going into earnings, and they turned out to be much, much better than I expected. I'm a bull. I thought the numbers would be really good, but not this good. PVH, the apparel company that owns Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, and a bunch of other brands, totally blew away the numbers. Delivered an 11 cent earnings beat off a $1.47 basis with substantially higher than expected sales, up 18.6% year over year, rising margins. Even better management raised their full year forecast. What you have to hope is that we get some crazy tweet that doesn't like Calvin Klein, or we get some sort of just tsunami of selling, which does happen, because then I think you get an opportunity. Let's check in with Manny Chirico, who's the chairman and CEO of PVH. Learn more about this stunning quarter and the company's prospects. Manny, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, hey, Darren, Jim. Nice to see you. All right, yeah. Manny, usually there's one. Okay, there's one cil- cylinder that's hitting. The other one may be hitting soon. Uh, international and domestic, Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, best I've seen, right? Yes, very strong. How is that possible? Uh, look, the strength of both brands. The, uh, we're making, we've made over the last three years significant marketing investments behind both brands. I think the brands have done a phenomenal job in hitting their target consumers and really aligning with marketing that's resonated with the consumer. And it just shows in the numbers. And great product at quality value prices works. Uh, there was an outfit, I, H&M, talking about inventories today. Someone was saying, isn't that the tell for the consumer? Inventories are lean throughout your system, aren't you? Yeah, very much so. You know, we're chasing it. We're, at this point, we've been chasing inventory. We're going into growth. I think we're planning the first quarter of next year up high double digits. High uh, double digits, the, Manny. High teens. And Manny, we're really we've been around for a long time. I, I don't think we've ever heard that that's what you're planning for. Uh, really having a... It, the fourth quarter you touched on, and it seems like we're really set up for the first quarter, halfway through it, uh, in very strong position. Now, some of the places that are selling this have to be stores that are in the mall. Oh, absolutely. Big, uh, you know, our, our Tommy, for Tommy Hilfiger, our biggest U.S. customer is Macy's by far. Gannett's doing it's, a good job there. Jeff, Jeff does a great He's job He's doing a there. good turn. And you really are seeing it. I, I was in the stores in January, and I've never seen the inventories as clean in, uh, in Macy's as I've seen then. And obviously now they're set up for uh, early Easter, and I think they're really clicking. All right, global synchronized uh, economy. Uh, I, you know, I've been to your uh, stores, Kfersendam, uh, Confer- the beautiful uh, shopping district of Berlin. I have to believe that Germany, that Britain, Spain, all great. Uh, Europe is on fire for really? us. You know, even, uh, a brand even as big as Tommy Hilfiger, which is, you know, significant, significant market share, we're seeing high single-digit uh, growth in sales. You know, our order books for fall with Tommy uh, fall 2018 are up 15%. So we're really these feeling strong about brands, that. Manny. No, these are not. But and it is it, it the strength is has surprised us. But we're riding it, and we're also uh, with with Calvin Klein in Europe, a brand that's underdeveloped in that region of the world compared to Tommy. You know, probably about 40, 45 percent of that volume. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing 25-plus percent kind of growth with Calvin. So Europe is very strong for us, as is Asia. Now, I want people to understand that we spent a lot of time with a strong dollar. You'd have to back it out, this or that. Even after you back out a weaker dollar, these are some of the best numbers you've ever reported. Yeah, I think that's correct. And I think, you know, for us, we suffered through the 
foreign currency pain being such a large international player in 15 and 16. Fiscal 17 has got, kind of been flattish when it came right. to currencies. But as we're turning into 18, and that, it actually should be a tailwind for us. So uh, we're looking forward to experiencing that. Okay, many people say, well, what is Amazon doing to them? And I say, well, they're partners with Amazon, right? It's been good. A big business for us, and we've really been able to work closely with Amazon on key apparel, particularly for the Calvin Klein brand, but also our heritage brands. And uh, that whole digital area, we don't talk right. specifically about one customer's right. kind of, but that whole digital area for us is our fastest growing, and sales there are up in excess of 20%. So, uh, wow, what a great channel partners, for you. Both our, both our e-commerce business coupled with theirs. How's the Chinese channel? And also, uh, some people are saying, well, they must be worried about tariffs, but I've said you've always found the lowest cost producer wherever it is in the globe. Well, yeah, so look, we're, uh, we're totally opposed to tariffs as a way to solve problems. There's clearly issues with China and the trade policy, and I think the administration is appropriate to go after them. But I think the way to do it is really target those industries that those abuses are going on. And apparel is, doesn't, uh, is not one of those. Uh, but clearly, we need to level the playing field in trade, and I give the administration credit for really going after it. Okay. Wow. Really? Yes. Even though it might damage your business at a certain point? Well, I just think, I, I don't think that the, the apparel is going to be one of the industries that hit with tariff. It doesn't make sense. We're already paying a, a tariff if from, Japan, uh, from China of, of approximately 25%. I can't imagine that the administration will put another 25% on apparel, footwear, and related products. So, I, you know, to go after the other areas, I'd like to see us negotiate with China. I'd like to see us to come to terms, uh, utilize both our other partners around the world, mm -hmm. because some of the trade practices aren't fair. Okay, uh, what's something that was odd, Manny? You're the guy to ask. Uh, jeans tax? It, it was a jeans tax. People were talking out of Europe. I have not. I, I have to be France honest. France was about thinking it. about putting the jeans tax on. Well, I mean, you we know, would, we would totally be opposed. Right. To that. I mean, it's I, also I mean, been like, a, it's wait, like jeans has also been a category that's as a apparel category that's been under pressure globally and just until recently. So right. I don't know why. Don't worry. They, they also wanted a liquor, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I think that these are things that you do when you're just trying to make some noise. noise. I mean, Hopefully. if you're really going to combat that world, uh, let's say, tariffs by throwing up you know, something against the Calvin Klein jeans, I don't think it's really the statement that maybe you're trying to I make. would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Well, anyway, you have to hope that the market goes down to be able to get in PVH because this was the best quarter I've ever seen. Manny's probably been on the show more than anybody else. Manny Trico, chairman, CEO of PVH. Thank you, Manny. Exactly. Good to see you again. Listen to me. When you've lost Playboy, you've lost America. Today we found out that Playboy, the thinking man's dirty magazine, has had enough of Facebook and is leaving the social media platform. Yeah, of all the businesses that could have objected to the way Facebook handles its user data, Playboy was one of the few that decided to take a principled stand. Of course, it's not just about privacy. Playboy also objects to Facebook's policy on nudity, which it describes as sexually repressive. 
as if there weren't already enough ways to find pornography on the Internet. Now, Playboy claims to have 25 million fans who engage with their brand via various Facebook pages. I'm sure they all read Playboy, by the way, for the articles. And whatever this company may stand for, that is a lot of lost page views. Playboy joins the high-minded Elon Musk, seen that stock, and sure, of all people, in abandoning Facebook. Strength in numbers. Who's next? Penthouse. Hustler. Here's the issue. These departures may not seem very large, but look, i got to admit that if they continue, they're going to hurt Facebook's numbers, make it extraordinarily difficult to value the stock, which has been on the ropes ever since we learned about the Cambridge Analytica data breach some 21% ago. Yeah, 21%. Normally, we'd say the company's going to earn so much money per share, and investors will pay so much for those earnings, giving you a ballpark valuation. Here, though, both the estimates and the priced earnings multiple, what we're going to pay for those estimates, are in flux. And that's why I've been trying to come up with all sorts of scenarios, figure out where the stock might bottom. It doesn't hold here at 153, where it closed actually up 81 cents. And the best way to do this is by looking at similar situations where companies damage their reputation with the consumer. For example, there was plenty of outrage with, uh, when United Airlines dragged a passenger off one of its flights. The whole thing was caught on video. Tons of people said they'd never fly United again, and the stock fell 6.7%. Facebook blew past that level ages ago. Remember I told you how hard it is to try to not fly a certain airline? When we heard about the egregious cross-selling chicanery at Wells Fargo... Something that sent shockwaves through the bank's retail client base, the stock got hit with a 14% decline. I mean, that was a pretty horrendous breach, and this was a criminal activity, maybe. The longtime CEO of Wells Fargo was forced to leave, and the board of directors was shaken up. The cross-selling scandal was a big deal, yet Wells Fargo's stock declined only 14%. Pales in comparison to Facebook's 21% decline since the data breach. I don't know if that makes sense. You can go to other banks. So maybe it's more like Target, which had a gigantic credit breach where hackers gained access to data on 40 million people and the company sat on the whole news for three straight weeks. Well, that really hurt them. Target stock fell nearly 19 percent and it took a year for it to recover. I think the pain made perfect sense. The house of pain. As it's very easy to take your business to a different retailer that's going to be more responsible about handling your credit card information. Certainly easier to leave Target than it is to leave Facebook. It's a really bad sign that Facebook's taken out a target-sized decline because it's not like you can just take your business to a different social network. There's Facebook, and then there's, uh, who's that other? Instagram! Oh, that belongs to Facebook. This company's basically the only game in town. No one else comes close in terms of reach, not even Twitter, which we learned is vulnerable. Why? Because it's vulnerable. That's why. Don't ask for any more than that. Now, here's the real worry. Worry button. If Facebook stock does keep falling, you have to wonder, of course, where it's going to end. Could the stock lose half of its value, which is what happened after Chipotle had two nasty health scares? Eh, I don't know. Perhaps it'll only lose about a third of its value, like Equifax did after its own horrific data breach. I'm betting those are too extreme. These incidents were qualitatively much worse than Facebook's, and you could actually describe what they were as opposed to Cambridge Analytica, which no one seems to, even the people angry, not know what they really did. Chipotle made dozens of people sick, worse than Facebook, terrified its customer base, devastated the company's earnings. Equifax's breach affected nearly 150 million Americans. This wasn't just credit card numbers. Some cases were Social Security numbers. Of course, Equifax ended up being a terrific buy at its lows as the stock has come roaring back, even as everyone told me they were finished. You know what? I bet Facebook's going to be a little more like Equifax than Chipotle. 
Equifax has an unassailable market share position. The credit card companies are three-way oligopoly, right? I mean, the ratings companies, yeah, come on. I think Facebook has similar advantages. Actually, it's a one, we can't call it an oligopoly if it's only one. That's called a monopoly. Worst case, I could imagine Facebook stock falling 25% from its highs, which would put the stock at around, let's say, low 140s. At those levels, it will be insanely cheap, as I doubt the company's growth rate will sink below 25%. It's 40% as of most recent quarter. But, yeah, it's possible Facebook could have a lot more downside from here because before the stock starts to rebound. That may sound extreme, but this is what happens when you infuriate consumers and their representatives in Congress. When Facebook begins to bounce, though, it will bounce hard. But it may end up bouncing from a little lower level if the company doesn't hire an outside investigator, as I've been saying, to get to the bottom of things and roll back the tide that is threatening what many are saying, and I am not saying, looks more like a sandcastle every day. Ryan in Illinois. Ryan. Professor Kramer, booyah. Booyah. It's a first-time caller from Chicago, Illinois, U.S. Free America. How are you today, sir? I am. You know what? This has been such an easy, relaxing day. I don't know what to say. Go ahead. What's Uh, up? I'm here with you. Hey, at first, I wanted to quickly say thank you so much for your insight and guidance you provide to us every night. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So the stock I'm calling about is Adobe. They had a record first quarter, and they gave strong guidance for 2018, including a non-GAAP earnings growth of about 44% year over year. The week before earnings... They were trading between 216 and 221. After earnings, they shot as high as 230, but with the recent tech pullback, they're trading at what they were almost a month ago, which is 213. Right. Now they have a new announcement with uh, NVIDIA and their new partnership. What is your long-term outlook, and do I buy oh, a I like Adobe long-term. I mean, obviously, it's a cloud king. I like the cloud kings. What happens right now if you're a cloud king or you're a member of FANG, you're NASDAQ, or you're a semiconductor? I'll tell you what happens. And why? Let's see. Well, because the stocks are up, because they're tech. They're up. They're tech. Stick with me. They're up. All right, sure, Facebook could have more downside before it rebounds, but I expect it to rebound, just like the stocks of other companies that broke consumers' trust. Don't write it off. That would be silly. Much more man money ahead. I'm sitting down with the CEO of the biggest healthcare company in the country, United Health. I'm a customer. From drug cost to Amazon. Ooh, Amazon. Holy cow. You can't miss this. Then is it time to set sail on Norwegian cruise lines? I'm sitting down with the CEO to see if it can be your portfolio's port call. And all your calls, rapid fire, in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. In this increasingly difficult market, I think it's worth falling back on extremely well-run companies with stocks that have pulled back dramatically from their highs, even though the underlying business is totally domestic and it's getting better and better. Companies like United Health Group, the best of breed health maintenance organization and insurance provider that withdrew from the Obamacare exchanges ages ago, it is a smart company. There's a stock that's down 13% from its January highs, and I think that could be a real opportunity. A decline of this magnitude for this high quality company is a rare thing indeed. Ah. Earlier today, we got a chance to sit down with David Wickman. He's the CEO of United Health Group. First on uh, Bad Money, of course. This was at CNBC's Healthy Returns Conference. Take a look. David, I am a member of United Healthcare. What am I getting that the other guys won't give me? A lot of things. All right, uh, tell me. Uh, I think you get uh, 285,000 people that are focused on 
uh, helping people live healthier lives and helping make the health system work better every day. Uh, they are uh, very passionate about uh, driving, uh, you know, restless servants, if you will, of change in healthcare broadly, and they hope to bring you a better healthcare experience every day. But what do I have to do to be a good patient? Because I know that you're, one of your mantras is, how do you get people to, to take better care of themselves, to live healthier lives? There's nothing in this that says I got to do a good job myself. Yeah, well, that's why we try to engage you as a consumer, and, and uh, engagement is a big part of what makes healthcare work well, both engagement of the health system, but also engagement as you in managing your health conditions as well as keeping yourself well. You talk about the one of the two holy grails as being the doctors, the network that you own. Uh, talk about engagement. You're able to get data from them. You're able to find out what outcomes are. I imagine it's the best way uh, to figure out what should go right in the healthcare system. That's right. Well, it's not just about getting the data from them. It's okay. about making the best use of the data that you have and converting it to information, applying it against best known science, identifying gaps in care places where you can, uh, you know, treat. You know, change the way in which you access the health system and, and make yourself better. Okay, this last mile access, uh, you've got a business which I am fascinated by, uh, hopefully don't have to use, a MedExpress. And right. in it you say, uh, versus the emergency room, you're on record saying that MedExpress can do 90% of what an emergency room does at one-tenth the cost. Why are you not in charge of our healthcare system? Well, MedExpress is a just one of the many uh, assets that we bring and you know as you realize pretty quickly the healthcare system is made up of a number of relationships and that's one of the strengths of our organization is managing millions of relationships with physicians as well as bringing our own innovations to the market. MedExpress is a, is a strong company they get great uh, consumer response as well MPS over 70 right. and uh, you know just a, a, a well-performing company. How is that test going with Walgreens because they reported this morning and you know they have a lot of good things to say about actual healthcare. Yeah. Well, we have a pilot underway in 15 right. markets, or 15 uh, stores, I should say, across several markets. And, you know, it's early stage right now. We're just coming up on the first year of the first uh, implementations of that. Look at it? We look at it every, every, every month, look at it and evaluate it and discuss it with Stefano and others. And, you know, we do our best to, to uh, evaluate, you know, whether or not it will fit nicely into a forward-looking health system. Okay, uh, one of the things, I speak to a lot of health insurance executives, I speak to a lot of drugstore people and drug company people. I am surprised uniformly that they are not afraid of the Death Star, that's Jeff Bezos, oh. and what he can do to health care. Uh, why is United Health not afraid, because I presume you're not, and why do I bet that in the end maybe they either turn to you, take your people perhaps as CEO, or realize that you can do a better job than they can? Well, we're operating our business in an expansive market that'll you know, continue to expand over time. And we have a very strong uh, track record of growth and uh, expectations around growing in five critical areas around healthcare delivery, pharmacy care services, advancing uh, consumer-centric benefits, uh, really advancing also a digital and health information uh, aspects of our business as well as going global. And as I said before, there's millions of relationships you need to manage and uh, obviously that would be just one that we would we would need to if, if our basis I like big data that's right. how I predict what you want right. the artificial intelligence right Optum's got the biggest data bank in the world right. why don't they just say you know what we can't reinvent this yeah so data around 200 million 
people on the administrative side, and then another 100 million or so in terms of medical records. Uh, that is used by us for for AI, machine learning, you mm -hmm. know, advancing, you know, advanced technologies broadly in healthcare, and and making a difference on, you know, the predictive values of understanding, uh, you know, who uh, may get sick and and under what circumstances we need to. Uh, to, to help them with their care. Well, uh, speaking of, of that uh, kind of analysis, I had uh, Cygnus CEO on the other day, David Cordani, and yeah. uh, they're good, you know, these guys work closely with you. Uh, yes. uh, do you expect changes when they uh, finish their merger with Express Scripts? Uh, changes for your company. Oh, well, I think our company will continue to pursue the same growth opportunities overall. Cigna is a, is a very fine company and a good partner of ours in certain aspects of our business, and we look forward to continuing to work with them. There's no reason to think that you can't, right? It's not right. either or? No, it's not either or at all. Now, do you envision a day where healthcare won't be such a huge part of the GDP and won't be growing faster than the GDP? Uh, I can envision a day where that you could do. happen. Yes, for sure. I think if you look forward to the future, you know, call it seven, eight, nine, ten years out, I think you're going to see the uh, the real strong implications of technology on helping to curtail healthcare costs. I think the the systems of the benefits and the the health systems broadly going to more value-based uh, mechanisms will will drive greater efficiency and effectiveness in healthcare. Now we are up against a a series of macro demographic trends with an aging population. Right. We have 86 percent of the healthcare costs are driven by um, by uh, chronic disease, and right. that's not going to shift anytime soon. Well, uh, do you think that you can manage uh, drug prices? And I say that because this coupon initiative is one that I mean, I'm a customer, right? I want to know more about it because the one thing I know is that there are drugs that I really want and the prices are too high. But I see in Canada and other places they got coupons. How do I, are you in favor of it or are you going to help me do, actually get them? Well, drug prices are too high, and we work every day to bring uh, greater affordability for drugs uh, for consumers, like we did uh, announce a few weeks back, where we're bringing greater discounts at the point of service uh, for consumers. That's a big deal. A How deal. come it was? It, you know, Jeff, Be Jeff Bezos is in the news every day about something that that nothing's been done. Right. This was something that I I was at Kohl's yesterday, and they talked about Kohl's cash. This is United Health cash. Yeah. Why aren't we talking about it more? Well, I think that it just, it, it may, you know, over time, I think it'll continue to get greater levels of attention. We saw yesterday that Aetna uh, also adopted right. a similar policy, and hopefully the rest of the industry finds its way to that same uh, position. But you talk about the need to have people think healthier, take better care of themselves. I'm a person who works really hard. Uh, are there people who are health risk because they take their job too seriously? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I think that uh, it's, it's a good stress reliever work. And do you encourage places, uh, if they can, I was up at salesforce.com's yeah, right, uh, right. New York headquarters. They've got mindfulness rooms. They have yoga rooms. Yes. If you wanted to lower, ultimately, your cost of health care, would you tell people, you know what, get be mindful, get those employees in one of those rooms. Is that a sensible thing to do? It is actually. You know, we have a, we've adopted or developed a mindfulness business as well. It's in a, it's more in a venture format as we sit here today. But venture but, form meaning that you meaning might spin it out or yeah, no, that that we are. Um, it's early stage okay. in, in its in its development and and uh, we're we're incubating and modifying the model. But but you know, stress relief is a an important factor in managing your health as well. And so many of those efforts make make a lot of sense. David, are we? 
to the point where there are a lot of people who make fun. Like when I say that I'm trying to be mindful, people, are you kidding me? Mindfulness, that's something that's in San Francisco. Are there people who are starting to take care of their mind, not just their body, because their mind can produce better results for their body? That's right. In fact, most, a lot of our engagement tools that we've just rolled out to seniors really uh, focus on engaging their mind. And because uh, you know, uh, loss of memory is, is something that we're, we're trying to manage. But it's important also, we, we apply mindfulness with uh, many of the cohorts of our employee base as well, uh, particularly uh, uh, you know, those that may uh, engage in, in more stress than others, like our nurses and others that are working every day to, to bring better health care to people. Okay, last thing I need to know. Okay. If I were President of the United States, which I am most certainly not, is certainly, well, whatever, um, I would call you in and I would say, okay, here's the keys to the car. You have done a remarkable job. It's all yours. If it was all yours, what's the first thing you would do? Well, I think the first thing I do is a, there's about a trillion dollars of, of cost that's in the fee-for-service system today. It's largely unmanaged. Uh, there is no question we could do a better job with that in terms of just applying practical uh, private company practices uh, to that population and I think we'd save save a lot a lot there but I'd also have everybody get kind of get focused on a similar mission and drive a culture uh, to to improve healthcare costs uh, by lowering them uh, drive greater levels of, of uh, effectiveness overall and, and making sure that we are uh, driving a great deal of consumer but we don't want to put United Health out of business uh, no we wouldn't want to put United Health out of business I think though that we can and we can work together to make a, make a difference. Terrific. Okay, that's David Wickman. He is the CEO of United Health Group International, a stock that I've been recommending, believe it or not, since the 80s. And it's been a winner. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. It is time. It's time for the lightning. And then the lightning round's over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Question about to start with Bo in South Carolina. Bo. Jim, love your show, and so does my three-year-old son. Thank you. There you go. My, my question is for a long... Sorry. Couldn't resist. Go ahead. Love it. For a long-term holding, should I maintain my position in Henry Shine, or should I swap over to you, Align Technology? You can hold it long-term. I think Align Technology is more growth. It's better, and so is Zoanis. Let's go to Victor in South Carolina. Victor to South Carolina's Victor. Cool, y'all, Jim. Good show, buddy. Thank you, partner. I've got a good bit of IBB now, and while I'm waiting for it to turn around, I was wondering if you would maybe suggest Deer and Company. I think Deer's fine. I mean, obviously, you're in the crosshairs of a lot of tariff uh, uh, fear-mongering, but Deer's a good company for the long term because it feeds the world. I need to go to Nicole in Florida. Nicole. A big Southwest Florida b- 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 booyah. Hey, well, you know what? Clearwater booyah. Philly's booyah. What's That's up? That's right. <laughs> hey, take it, uh, thinking about taking a position with Fitbit. Well, keep thinking, but don't pull the trigger. There's no real reason. There's so many other better plays than Fitbit. I don't want you to do it. Let's go to Russ in Michigan. Russ. Hey, booyah, Kramer. I'm booyah. a longtime fan. Love your show. Thank you. Hey, I like smaller high-tech stocks especially newer issues, I found a small semiconductor equipment company with a niche market in Brazil. Uh, The company is Smart Global Holdings. They went public last May. They reported last week a nice earnings beat, like the third in a row. 
and they were up the last three days until today. Should I buy more? All I think is that what's happened is that the sellers have found that one, too. And after we spoke with Gary Dickerson last week, and that stock is now down eight, two, that stock is now down eight points. I far prefer applied materials. Jay, uh, let's go to Jig, Jill, Jig in New Jersey. Jig. Who are you, Kramer? Oh, yeah. Go Eagles. Go Birds. Since, uh, tech, yeah, since, yeah, tech is getting hammered lately, and also the ongoing Facebook debacle. I wanted to know if I should buy, hold, or sell Splunk. SPLK. You know what, Splunk? I was going to actually tell the gang, Jeff and Zeb, for the club, the ActionLearnsPlus.com club, that we ought to put this one on the bullpen list. So it's good. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is inclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. In this newly volatile environment, I think emphasis on volatile, we need to reassess many of the groups we used to like. Some of them can keep working, but others have become dangerous. So what about the cruise line stocks? I've been a big fan of this group as the ultimate play on the experiential economy, but the cruise stocks have been, uh, well, let's say they've been humbled so far this year. Thanks to a combination of mixed earnings, fears that competition may be heating up, and then just the overall fickle nature of the market, frankly. Consider Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, NCLH. It's both the smallest of the public, uh, the big three publicly traded cruise names and the one with the most exposure to American consumers, which remains a very strong business. Nevertheless, the stock is down nine bucks from its January highs. Even as the company reported a solid quarter a month Ago, and it has tremendous momentum. So let's dig deep with Frank Del Rio. He's the president and CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings to get a better sense of where his business is headed. Mr. Del Rio, welcome back to Man Money. Good to see you, sir. Good Have to a see seat. You. How are you? All right. So uh, I'm doing this this healthcare thing, and I'm like, you know, going a mile a minute. I'm saying, I, I need a break. I need a break. I text my daughter, and I said, Do you know anyone who has taken Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings? You know what she says? Dad, that was the best trip I've ever had. Here, and she sends me pictures of her bowling, basketball courts, and of course, her Instagram. They still use that, by the way. Again, how did you attract someone like my 23-year-old daughter to be on a Norwegian cruise line trip? She's not alone. 25% of our customers these days on Norwegian cruise line are millennials. 25? 25%. Fastest growing in absolute terms, fastest growing in relative terms. Why? We've got... Everything millennials want, experiential. Right. You buy stuff. They don't want to buy stuff. They want experience. They want the pictures. That's right. She, the atrium that we're showing in the back, she has pictures of her at the atrium. I'm not kidding. They want variety. Right. On board a cruise ship these days with these wonderful uh, amenities that we have on board, you can hang out by the spa, you can go to the casino, the pool. Racetrack. Wait till you get on board on my new Norwegian Bliss and the Hudson in about a month or so. Oh, yes, yeah, about that because yeah, there's more yeah, bars there's, and lounges than yeah, there are in any, that, any five streets in Manhattan. Right. And then the last thing that millennials want these days is value. Right. And the cruise industry offers the greatest value there is on, on the face of this earth for a vacation. Okay, so, so those top tier suites versus, say, a luxury hotel room in New York. Better value? Tell me. Oh, no question. You can get our best suite in the house two bedrooms of 1,200, 1,500 square feet, butler service around the clock for half of what I just paid at the peninsula um, for two nights. I like uh, the No penin- question. I like the peninsula. I like the peninsula too, but, corner, I, but you know, I, I don't get the experience. I don't, I don't even get a free minibar. You get a free minibar in Norwegian. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's great. Okay, now apparently also the Chinese like them from your conference call. Yeah. You're talking about recently launched marketing, promotional, and yield management strategies, although novel in China, proven successful in our, our markets. So you're actually doing quite well financially. A lot of companies are saying, you know what, you got to lose a lot of money in China before you can make money. I think that was at the beginning. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, I think everybody's making money in China today. Um, it's still a work in process. We can make more money in the future in China. It's a long-term investment. We're, we're bullish on China. I feel much better about China today, Jim, than I did six months ago. Tell me. Yeah, things are getting better. Uh, some of the competitors have pulled out. There's less capacity. Uh, the shock of the South Korean travel restrictions have w- uh, waned off. Travel agents in China are learning how the game is played, how the business evolves. A uh, little momentum, a little wind behind their backs. The Chinese economy continues to do well. So it's, it's positive in China. The Still Chinese not, government likes cruise they lines, do. don't they? they? Do. Why? Yeah. Well, I think it's part of their, um, their um, uh, push to get cons- uh, the Chinese uh, uh, populace to be more of a consumer. They want family-oriented vacations uh, and that's what uh, the cruise business is all about. I think the mad money business is all about making money. Since 2013, the year of your IPO, earnings per share grown more than sixfold, yeah. which just the return on investment capital reached double digits. I mean, this, this is this the strongest period that you've had? I mean, because I know since, not since you came, uh, you know, you've been you've been around for a long time, but since you come public, it looks like to me that the advanced bookings numbers would say yeah. that it is the strongest period. It is strong. I think the best days are still ahead of us. We are booked in the best position we've ever been. Mm-hmm. So all those years where we six-fold increase, 18 looks even better than that. We're better booked at higher prices. And even taking a sneak preview at 2019 at this early point, 2019 is looking strong. Oh, it's probably my daughter ordering. <laughs> what are you going to get on? No, well, I don't know. I'm no, too multi- old. Multi-generational <laughs> cruising these days. You're not too old. Oh, come on. Really? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Maybe she'll go with me. She's so embarrassed by me. The voice, Dad. Keep the voice. But down. I've got two other brands for you. All right. And region, if you want older. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Frank Del Rio, the presidency of the Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. I Look, I like the stock. How about only a stock for more than 37 minutes? It might be a good one. Stick with Kramer. Okay, so Congress hates Facebook and Alphabet. Uh, the president seems to dislike Amazon. Do you think the Supreme Court hates Netflix? I mean, honestly. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. 1980s New York. Five titans redefined the American dream. Helmsley, Bosky, Gotti, Trump, Giuliani. Greed was good, and they wanted it all. Empires of New York, narrated by Paul Giamatti. Series premiere November 29th at 8 Eastern, only on CNBC-TV.